Holy Father, I thank you that you've given us another opportunity to come into your word and look in it and see what it entails. You give us the opportunity to see that you do and that you will restore and that you will build, but it has to be on your terms. We don't get to determine how it will be. Many of us, we waste so many years of our lives with folly, doing things that we ought not do. And then when we come back to you, we realize sometimes we wasted much of our lives. Sometimes we've gotten sick or sometimes we've lost body parts, family members, whatever it is. And yet we realize that you restore. In this passage that I'm going through tonight, I ask you to help me to show how it is you restore, how it is you restore on your terms, what it means to be right with you, so that we'll know that our righteousness before you is not as filthy rags. That's another kind of righteousness. I ask you to help me to explain it to the growth of your people. Amen, amen, and even so, amen. As you very well know, we're in a series of books that we're going to be covering, the books during the time of the exile. We've gone through the captivity, and Gary is teaching in the book of Jeremiah, which is definitely dealing with the captivity. And we just started on the book of Haggai. We started on Haggai last Thursday. And if the Lord's will, we'll, we'll, we will finish it tonight. If we don't finish it tonight, we'll work on it a little later on. But we plan to take care of Haggai, Ezra, Nehemiah, Zechariah. We want to deal with those books so that we can understand where it is we fit in this world, where it is we fit. and. I do intend, I don't know when, it may be on another day, only for those that are interested to go through the books of what we call the Apocrypha, the books that get that kind of name and tell you you don't need to know it. But I'm telling you now, if you look through many of the commentaries, if you ever see this code, this code phrase, intertestamental period or Second Temple Judaism. That's the Apocrypha. And any of the major scholars that will teach what was going on with the Israelites, the Edomites, Alexander, the Persians, etc., that's the period that they cover. And don't ask me why they don't want you to know it, but I know they that they don't. And Drina, did I put my unholy Bible right over there? Because I, I want to take uh, just a small excerpt out of that unholy Bible that I showed you yesterday. Yes, sir. It, no, it would be right there. If not, I moved it. Yes, it's got that black and red cover. The, the point that I wanted to, because I had to make sure, sometimes I have the tendency to put a book somewhere else. Sometimes I take it in a different room and read out of it because I have the ability to do that. But the point that I wanted you to see, it came back to me, is that there are certain books that we were not supposed to read is black people. And Haggai 
is one of those books. So the first thing that come to my mind, thank you, Precious, because it surely wasn't where I said it was. This is called the Unholy Slaves Bible. Should you never buy one and you say, I want to be able to look and see what's in it. The Unholy Slaves Bible, it's online. It's called the Slaves Bible Law. That's the name of the, the name of the author, Law and Gilbert. You can get it as it'll be in a PDF. I like this one because David Charles Mills, he went and did the research before, before, because you can buy that one and you don't have to have his, but he has got a lot of research in it, a lot of information he got from the college or university he went to, and then his parents, his family were slaves, and so well, he actually went and found the place and he did a lot of research. If you go to YouTube and look up the Unholy Bible, the Unholy Bible, you'll be able to see his video. It's very, very, very good. If you want to share this message, you can go ahead. But here at the bottom, where it talks about a comparative table, can you see that the comparative table pressure? I'm trying to hold it in such a way that there's a possibility that it can, I just want to make sure it go, go closer. Okay, the comparative table. Okay, can you see the bottom of it? Because I'm, I'm going to say I'm not going to leave it up there forever. I just want to be able to be seen for a minute. That's good enough. At the bottom of the page, what it does is it tells you the books that were omitted from the the unholy Bible. It is not a kind of Bible where they throw in different kind of books. It is not a kind of Bible where they throw in some Buddhism. What this Bible does, it deletes whole books. Tim, don't explain, read. Omitted books. Leviticus. Omitted. Numbers, Joshua, Judges, Ruth, First Samuel, Second Chronicles, Ezra, Nehemiah, Esther, Psalms, Song of Solomon, Jeremiah, Lamentation, Ezekiel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nehum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Haggai, the book we're in now, Zechariah, Malachi, from the New Testament, Mark, Colossians, Second Thessalonians, Philemon, Second Peter, Second John, Third John, Jude, and the Revelation. In some books that are not omitted, like the book of Exodus, there are only two chapters that are given out of 40. Exodus has 40 chapters. The Unholy Bible only has two chapters from Exodus, 19 and 20. Tim, 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 why are you saying this? I submit to you that there are a multiplicity of people that would say, you know, they did us wrong. The slave owners, the overlords did us wrong by taking this much of the Bible from us, taking this many books. And see, the thing is, is these books, it actually teach you how to war. They this book, These books teach you how to ask God to fight for you. These books teach you how to set up the government of God. But I would submit to you. Let me get my face really, really clear. I will submit to you that most people that I know, they go to church. They got their own slave Bible. The books that I omitted, if 
for most people that I know, we could go and add other books to that. We could add First and Second Timothy. We could add Titus. We could add Matthew. We could add Luke. We could add the book of Genesis. We could add the book of, let's say, let's go Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. Oh, Deuteronomy, all of Deuteronomy. We could go straight throughout the Bible, and you'll find out that there are some people that go to church, been to church 20 and 30 years. Maybe they read five books of the Bible. And then when I do meet people sometimes that have read the book of Genesis, if I ask them something about it, I can't remember right now. I can't remember it right now. But if I start going, especially if they're in my age group, if I go boom, 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 I got, and they know the next word is sunshine. They know it. And then, and if they're old enough, and if it's a man, they might get to dancing on a cloudy day. But if I start talking about the word of God, Andrew, do you remember the time when we went to that church indicator? No, it was, um, it's, it's offered. Yeah, but they have another little name they call it, but it's Scott Dale, your precious wife. And I, I did the same thing. It's been about 15 years ago. And those men were sitting there. I said, I bet you a bunch of you all that don't know these scriptures. I bet you, you know, this guy, this song from Joe Simon, that says, girl, your love scares me to death, girl, oh, it's the choking hand. And they, they, they knew it. Got the smiling, especially when he started going, make me want to. <laughs> well, why can't when somebody say the Lord is my light? Why can't we join in in my salvation? Whom shall I fear? Whom shall I be afraid? The Lord is the strength of my life because we need that right now. When will we learn that the books that were left out here in the Psalms would teach you that a vile person is to be contemned if you want to abide in the tabernacle of God? So what we end up with, we end up with a cultural religion. We end up with a sociological religion. We end up with a cultural religion as opposed to being lined up with the word of God. So with all of that being said and all of that being true unfortunately it is true i want us to go back to haggai in haggai these people had been brought back from exile god had, uh, god had went through and showed the curses that he had set upon them those curses were real they did not really believe that these curses would be they actually act like what i taught on on the Sabbath, when I showed you the things that Charles Stanley teaches about eternal security, it doesn't matter how you live. It doesn't matter what you do because God's grace is going to cover it. And if you've made a sinner's prayer, you're going to be okay. Well, there were a lot of Hebrew people that believed that. And guess what? They were overthrown in the wilderness. Isn't that what the Bible tells us in Hebrews chapter 3? And it said they could not enter in because of unbelief. Jude the brother of Jesus says, the Lord, after having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed them that believed not. But there was a, always, he kept a remnant. And they were to go back under Cyrus, and they were going to build the temple. They were going to build the edifice where God's presence would be with them. And they got started on it, and listen. When we go to Nehemiah, I want to develop this. Not Nehemiah, Ezra. I'm sorry. We'll be even both of them. It'll be, it'll be in both. They wanted to build God's temple. And they would want to build a wall for a physical protection. 
And there were other people that wanted to come in and help them build. And they would not allow them to help build because you don't know what it's about to build God's temple. You don't know how holy this is. This is not just an edifice that's made with rocks and mortar and, and all of this. This is God's temple. It's a spiritual building. And to allow you to help means you got your opinion going in it. You got your ideologies going in it. And we're going to have to be friends with you. And we can't be true to our God, which means to be holy and set apart from him. This is why I try to tell people, when you look into the word of God and you see that, you'll know that there is no way you can give your whole heart to a Republican, a Democrat, or independent, any other activist group that starts out from the very beginning that Jesus is not Lord or Yeshua is not Lord. The Holy Scriptures are not the word of God. And until we get to that place, Place, we're going to be looking for the wrong people to bring us salvation. We're going to be looking for the wrong people, the wrong people to restore us. Yes, we may end up with money, and we may have a mega church, and you may be able to get your fifty rappers to come in your church, grab the cross, and wear their tennis shoes, and, and, and tell you how to live and tell you how to love. But what about the butt naked, unadulterated word of God without chaser? What do you mean, Tim? John the Baptist had no chaser. Jesus said he was the greatest of all prophets. Said there was not a prophet that was born among women or women that were greater than John the Baptist. And what did John the Baptist say? Repent. Told him to repent. Then he says, who warned you to flee from the wrath that is to come? Called them vipers. In other words, the seed of Satan. Who warned you to flee from the wrath to come? And he taught something that is very, very important. Bring forth fruit, meet for repentance. Don't just make a prayer. You bring forth an attitude of a broken and a contrite spirit. You bring about restitution that you owe. I don't care if you're a nation, if you're an individual, if you're a parent, you've done your child wrong, if your child have done your parent wrong, if you're a brother, you've done your sister wrong, if it's just a co-worker, bring forth fruit that is suitable for repentance. But if you don't believe in the scriptures, you don't even know what's suitable for repentance. You think saying, I'm sorry, is suitable for repentance. You just tore up my car. What? And I'm going to tell you these scriptures that I'm teaching you all. I believe these scriptures. I know I was driving. I drove somewhere this week and my vehicle was higher than the sign. I hit the sign and the sign went, part of the sign went plaque. Like, man, no, this going to cost me money. I took pictures of it, called the people. This is what I did. You don't have to go look for anybody. You don't even have to go search through your camera. This is what it is. Let me know what I got to pay. And that's what I'm going to do. Why? Because I'm good? No. Because God is working in me both to will and to do of his pleasure. It's more important to me that I help build God's house on earth than it is to keep some money and not bring about fruit that is meat for repentance to restore those people what they have uh, what they have lost because of my, I have to say, carelessness. I didn't think I was being careless, but nevertheless I was. How does this work in our passage? 
we've started with the second chapter. When we, and, when we were in the first chapter, we gave you that there was the prophet, a guy, the priest, Jashadak, and the governor, Zerubbabel. And every bit of information was coming to them. The reason I'm not going to go back over it really, really hard is that one, it's already videoed. It's already recorded on our podcast at seekingthetruth.podbean.com. Uh, if you can't get it that way, you can, what they call it, message me or, or just anything on the Facebook. But here, let's go into chapter two, because some of this is going to be covered in, other, in the other books. And I want to get you where we need to be so we can get our mindset that when we're going to live for God, he can restore. But if he doesn't restore, all of our righteousness will be as filthy rags. Let's go with two and one, Haggai. In the seventh month, in the one and twentieth day of the month, in other words, the seventh month, in the twenty-first day of the month, came the word of the Lord by the prophet Haggai, saying, Speak not to Zerubbabel, the son of Shethiel, governor of Judah, to Joshua, the son of Jostadak, the high priest. So I called the high priest uh, Joshua, I think, but it is Joshua, the high priest, to the residue of the people, to the residue, this is the remainder, this is the same thing as a remnant, okay? It said, saying, who is left among you that saw this house in her first glory? And how do you see it now? Is it not in your eyes in comparison of it as nothing? Yet now be strong, O Zerubbabel, say of Yahweh, and be strong, O Joshua, son of Josedek, the high priest. And be strong, all ye people of the land, say of Yahweh, and work. For I am with you, saith Yahweh of armies, the Lord of hosts. According to the word that I covenanted with you when you came out of Egypt, so my spirit remaineth among you. Fear ye not. For thus saith Yahweh of hosts, the Lord of armies. Yet once, it is a little while, I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land, and I will shake all nations. And the desire of all nations shall come and will fill this house with glory, saith Yahweh of hosts. Silver is mine. The gold is mine, saith the Lord of hosts. Let me just interject. You keep hearing him saying, you keep hearing the Lord of armies. I'm not a chump. I just just felt like I just wanted you, when he keeps saying this, he's saying, this is who is saying this to you. This is not, we could just say the Lord, we could just say Yahweh, but I'm letting you know, this is the Lord of hosts. This is the Lord of armies that have soldiers that fight, not only on earth, but soldiers that fight in heaven. So take this to heart. Why are you coming back in your little, you're just a remnant, but look who's telling you to do it. Now let's go back to verse 8. The silver is mine. The gold is mine, saith the Lord of hosts, Yahweh of armies. The glory of this latter house shall be greater than the former, saith Yahweh of hosts. And in this place I will give peace, saith the Lord of hosts. In the four and twentieth day of the ninth month, in the second year of Darius, came the word of Yahweh by Haggai the prophet, saying, Thus saith Yahweh of armies, Lord of hosts. Ask now, the priest concerning the law saying, if one bear holy flesh in the skirt of his garment and with his skirt 
do touch bread or pottage or wine or oil or any meat, shall it be holy? Hmm? And the priest answered, no. Then said Haggai, if one that is unclean by a dead body touch any one of these, shall it be unclean? Hmm? And the priest answered and said, it shall be unclean. Then answered Haggai and said, so is this people. And so is this nation before me, save Yahweh. And so is every work of their hands. And that which they offer is unclean. And now I pray you consider this day and upward from before a stone was laid upon a stone in the temple of Yahweh since those days when one came to, to a heap of 20 measures, there was but 10. When one came to the press fat to draw out 50 vessels out of the press, that's wine for those that don't know it, there was but 20. I smote you with blasting and with mildew and hell in all your labors of your hands. Yet, yet, then one more time, Tim, yet ye turned not to me, said Yahweh. Consider now from this day upward, from the 420th day of the ninth month, even from the day that the foundation of the temple, of the Lord's temple was laid, consider it. Is the seed yet in the barn? Let's read that again. Is the seed yet in the barn? Yea, as the vine, yet the vine in the fig tree and the pomegranate and the olive tree are brought forth. From this day, from this day, from this day will I bless thee. And again, the word of Yahweh came to unto Haggai in the 420th day of the month, saying, Speak to Zerubbabel, governor of Judah, saying, I will shake the heavens and the earth, and I will overthrow the throne of kingdoms, and I will destroy the strength of the kingdoms of the heathen. I will overthrow the chariots. And those that ride there, and the horses, and the riders shall come down, every one by the sword of his brother. In that day, said Yahweh of armies, the Lord of hosts, will I take the Ozerubbabel, my servant, the son of Sheathiel, said Yahweh, and I will make thee as a signet. For I have chosen thee, saith Yahweh of armies, the Lord of host. So much benefit and so much glory in that for the people that would receive this message then. So much wisdom that we can learn from that because whatever things were written aforetime according to Romans 15 and 4 were written for our learning that we through patience and comfort of the scripture might have hope. So much is in it according to 2 Timothy 3 and 16 when we see all scripture is given by the inspiration of God. But then if you look at chapter 4 and 1, 2 Timothy, it says that Timothy was supposed to preach the word be instant in season and out of season there's some stuff in here that people might not want to hear and am, am i supposed to care answer me precious am i supposed to care amen to god's holy name let's ride through this really really carefully in the seventh month the feast of tabernacles i don't know if i said this last week but let me let me say it now hi guy 
H-A-G, hog, guy. That word Haggai, that word Haggai, when they had a feast. So Haggai is talking about feast. And this man, some say is, you know, my feast. Some say just feast of the Lord. But in other words, his name has feast in it. So in the seventh month, which is the feast of the tabernacle, when they would offer a sheep, but all, they would offer sheep for the nation. They would end up doing 70. And you see the 70 nations that are included in the 10th chapter of Genesis. It says, in the one and 20th day of the month came the word of Yahweh by the prophet Haggai saying, the Lord seemingly has appeared to Haggai. And now Haggai is going to the people. And this is what he is told. Speak to Zerubbabel, the son of Sheathiel. In other words, I'm telling you who to go to. Go to him. He's the son of Sheathiel. So if there's maybe 10 or 20 of them, this is the one I want you to go to. He's the governor. He's over the state. He's over doing the what you would call civil judgment or justice for the people. And to Joshua, the son of Jesedek, the high priest, the one that would do the ceremonial, the one that would do when they would do things, I don't want to use the word liturgy. Let's just say the worship, the worship that was supposed to be done, the things that were done in offering sacrifices, the things that were being done with judgment was to be done. And then you come here and to the residue of the people saying, you see, because then they, you'd have a, you'd have somebody over the government, like a king, you'd have a priest, and then you would have the Levites that would be in different parts of the land teaching you the word of God. They would teach you where you live, but you would go to the temple to do your, your worship. Not that you couldn't pray at home, but you don't go and offer sacrifice at your home. Those days were over with Abraham. Yet, it was only for a time. Because the time would come again when you could worship him in spirit and in truth. But at that time, that was separated. Does that help to make that clear? Thank you, precious love. It says, Joshua, the son of Josedek, the high priest, to the residue, to the remnant of my people, saying, here is the remnant of those that have been chastised. Here's the remnant of those that have been outside of God's will and have experienced the curse. Here are some of those people. Please listen to me. You don't have to believe what I say. Just try to prove me wrong. If you go back and you read on your own, Leviticus 26, say it again, Tim, Leviticus chapter 26, you will see in short form all of the different things God was going to bring on these people to humble them and to avenge his anger. If you want the long form, you see the short form in Leviticus 26 was given when all of the nation was still there pretty much and all of the fathers were alive. In Deuteronomy chapter 28, 15 through 32, this is the second time this being given. And Moses is giving it to their children because he said, these children, I've known you. From the time I've known you, you had a heart and a stiff neck. And he could have just said, and all your parents are dead. 605,000. But when you see this, you begin to understand that for them to have a revenue, a residue and a remnant, because I want to say a remnant and a residue, and I almost said a revenue. But what happens is, is when you see that, you understand that God's mercy has been, he's been patient with them. So he says, who is left among you? 
that saw the first house because the captivity lasted 70 years. Who is left among you that saw the first house in her glory? And how do you, and how do you see it now? Is it not nothing in comparison? Is it not in your eyes in comparison as of nothing? Well, what was it like? For those that don't know, you had the Garden of Eden. That was a type of what we call the Garden of Eden. Thank you. I, I looked at your face and was like, okay, she'll, she'll correct me. <laughs> but the Garden of Eden in some ways is like a replica of what heaven is like. Because in heaven, that's where the pa the pattern of the tabernacle or the temple is. Then when you come from the Garden of Eden, you have you have um, a tent, a meeting, you end up having a tabernacle, uh, We have, a, and then you end up having a temple. When Solomon's temple was built, we're talking about something that was magnificent. We're talking about something that was so powerful. But listen to how this is talked about. When you listen to how that Solomon's temple was talked about in the scriptures, you're going to get a picture of what those old men had seen. You see, you got some people that lived long enough that had seen it before, and now they're seeing this little thing that's built, and it's like God is not there anymore. It's not the same. We had so much better back then when we didn't appreciate it. So I'm going to go to Second First Kings chapter 9, verse 6. Second Kings chapter 9. Yeah. Yeah, did I say second? I, I know I'm be by accident. I mean first Kings. Okay, first Kings. Yeah, I'm wrong. Yeah. Chapter 9, verse number 6. Now listen to what was told to, to Solomon. But if you shall turn it all from following me, you are your children, and will not keep my commandments and statutes, which I have set before you, but go and serve other Elohim gods and worship them. Then will I cut off Israel out of the land. If you, I'm talking about you, you're the king. If you go and do that, People are going to follow you. I will cut off Israel. You know, people say, God, I wouldn't put nobody out of my house, and God wouldn't. You don't know the scriptures. I will put them out of the land which I have given them, and this house which I have hallowed or made holy for my name will I cast out of my sight. And Israel shall be a, a proverb and a byword among all the people. And this house which is high, everyone that passes by will be astonished and hiss. Make you think of a snake. And they shall say, Why have Yahweh done this to this land and to this house? And they shall answer, Because they forsook Yahweh their God, who brought their fathers out of the land of Egypt and have taken hold of other gods and worshiped them and served them. Therefore have Yahweh brought upon them this evil. I want you to feel this. What he did to that temple and what he did to bring it down is the same thing as what he did to the people. You see, when he did that to the people, the people 
they got a chance to see that they were brought down. The glory that they once had, it was gone. They were often stripped naked. They were carried about in chains. This temple, when it was built, the glory of God came upon it. And when he, uh, Solomon offered all those thousands and thousands of animals, the smoke came and filled the place. People could hardly see the smoke. Solomon would walk around and they would have gold shields that would go in front of Solomon like that. And when the sunlight hit it, Solomon would look like he was coming in a cloud of, a, a cloud of glory. They had magnificent stairs from the gold. Read about what the queen of Sheba said, what it was like when Solomon and with his temple and all the gold and the pomegranates and everything that was there. They, it was big. It was huge. It was probably one of the greatest wonders. Of, it was the greatest wonder of the world. Why do you say one of when it was God's design? Get your mind right, Tim. Tim, why didn't you go through and read it? Because I can tell you about it and we can keep moving. He says, this temple. Is it as nothing in your eyes? Now, in that very passage, there's something magnificent there. I want you to see it. Who is left among you that saw the house in its first glory? The smoke, the gold, the stones, all of the cedar that was cut and that was shipped in, all of the magnificent handiwork that was done, and you had cherubim that could stretch all the way across the room. He says, how do you see it now? Was it that big? It wasn't that magnificent. Is it not in your eyes in comparison to nothing? What about your life now? What about those of us that have wasted years in ungodliness, in wretchedness, maybe in the club, maybe on drugs, whoring, fighting, just living a life any kind of way that we want to? And especially for those that had known God to start with and turned their back. And now here you come back to the Lord now, and he was gracious. And he said, if I just had the strength that I had then, or if I just had the time that I had then, he says, do you see yourself as nothing? Do you see this house as nothing? Listen to what he says, verse 4. Yet now be strong, O Zerubbabel, saith Yahweh. And be strong, oh Joshua, be strong. Look, you got the rule. Be strong, oh Zerubbabel, you're, the, you're, you're over the government. Be strong, oh Joshua, you are over the worship. You are over keeping the people in touch with me. And all ye people of the land, be strong because you are mine. Be strong, all ye people of the Lord. And because he says, save the Lord. Listen, be strong, all ye people, save the Lord, and work. I know they tell you you don't work now. I know they say that's Old Testament. Tim, do you want to disabuse us of that? Well, I hadn't planned to, but you better. Ephesians 2 and 8. And then when we get to verse 9 and 10, you will see what I'm saying. The Bible says in Ephesians 2 and 8, they love to quote this scripture because it makes them feel that we're safe without doing any of God's work. For by grace, are you saved through faith and that not of yourselves? And then they say, it is the gift of God. Then they say, not of works, lest any man should boast. And then they stop. Did Paul stop right there? No. Paul said, for we are his workmanship. We are his workmanship. We are his polema. We are his, we are his creation. 
created in Christ Jesus unto unto good works that you should walk in them. Should is obligatory. They say you have no works to do. The kingdom of God is about ruling. It's about ruling the nations, starting with yourself. So he says, strong, all you people of the land, say of Yahweh and work, for I am with you. That is one of the most powerful things that we can see. You see, the glory that they had to start with was powerful. But there's a glory that God was going to give them that was going to be more. In the future, God was going to give them a glory that was so powerful that they had no clue about what that glory was. As a matter of fact, I think a lot of times when people read this passage, they have no idea of the glory that God talks about, that he's talking about. Because when they saw that first glory, it was it was magnificent. It was it was so beautiful. As a matter of fact, I'm going to tell you where the one was that I didn't read because somebody might say, I wish he'd have told me. Well, something told me to just go back and say it. It's First Kings 8, 10, and 11. Should I read it, Andrina? Please. 8, 10, and 11. You see the same thing recapitulated in Exodus chapter 40, verse 34, when, when they built the first tabernacle, and God's glory came, and his glory came upon the people. I would submit to you, when people say all have sinned and come short of the glory of God, when we get to the place that we understand who God is, when we become a part of who he is, his Christ being in you is the hope of glory. And guess what? The glory of Christ will come into you and the glory of Christ will be the magnificence that you need. And you may not be and you may not look as good as you used to. You may not feel as good as you used to, but if your mind is fixed and your heart is set to do God's will, you got a glory on you that you didn't have before if you were not living right. I'm not making this up. I can prove it. Try, test me if you want to in discussion. So it says, well, I am with you. That's the key. You see, we see that same kind of thing when we uh, go to the New Testament, when it says when Christ was born, uh, it talks about. Um, he tells Joseph, don't be afraid to take Mary to be your wife. She shall bring forth a son. I shall call his name Jesus. He shall save his people from his sin. And it tells you as you read on down or you read through the passage, it says that he is going to be called Emmanuel, God with us. But I want to share this with you from Philippians chapter 2, verse 12. I want you to understand he's telling them to build and the work because he is with them. Not that, listen, it's not that God is with you so you don't work. It's not that God is with you and that everything is gonna be done for you. Listen to what Paul tells the people in Philippi, in Philippians 2 and 12. Wherefore, my beloved, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your own salvation. I know people don't like that scripture, but the word says, whole soterio. Work out your own, the salvation, that's what whole means, whole, H-O-V, soterio, salvation with fear and trembling. Listen to verse 13. For it is God which worketh in you both to will and to do of his good pleasure. He tells them the work because I am with you. What's the difference? 
anything that we're going to do for God and be of any consequence to rule in this world to show that God has brought us from darkness to light and that our works are not filthy and disgusting and that our works mean something. And although we may not have been what we were to start with, because he's working with us now, we are somebody that has glory. And not only do we have glory, sometimes, sometimes I hear Ann say, when you walk in a room, and if you are walking in the power of God, and you're living like God, say, you have the power. You might not be able to beat up everybody in there. You might not be able to do a drop kick, but you got another power. And it's not going to be by might. It's not going to be by the power of your fist, but it's by his spirit saith the most high Lord. Listen to this. When you see that they got something going on there, do you want to see what we got? Go with me to Numbers chapter 14 when he says, I am with you. I want you to see that God had been with them before and he tur they turned their back on him. Tim, how do you know this? Because when we go to Numbers chapter 14, we're going to see that God had been with them. Numbers 14 and 4. God had been with them and they turned their back on him. And in turning their back on him, they lost the power. Why did God turn his back on him? They turned their back on God. Do you want to lose your power? Do you wonder why you don't have any power? Is God last on your list like a Whitney Houston song? Is he last on your list? He knows. So let me read something to you in Numbers chapter 14, verse, no, verse number, I'm sorry. Yeah, it's 14 and 14. I'm, I'm just not used to do. Uh, did I say four before? If I did, I was so wrong. I am so wrong. I, I ask for your forgiveness. I don't know what kind of fruit I need to bring forth. Maybe just telling you. Because if I start at four, which would be good, it, it would take a long time to get to 14. So it says, and they will tell it to the inhabitants of the land. This they have messed up, and Moses don't want God to kill them. He said, they'll tell it to the inhabitants of the land, for they have heard that thou, Yahweh, art among the people. You, Yahweh, are seen face to face, and you go before them by the daytime in a pillar of a cloud and in a pillar of fire by night. Now, if you will kill all these people as one man, then the nations which have heard of your fame will speak, saying, because Yahweh was not able to bring this people into the land which he swear to them. Therefore, has he slain them in the wilderness. The people of the land knew what God had told them. I would submit to you that people know we're supposed to be ruling. I believe this is why we get so much opposition from our government. I believe this is why we have so much opposition in what we call the church, all of the different factions telling you all of the things that move you away from the scripture. I believe this is the reason why our overlords gave us this book right here, the unholy Bible, so that we would never rule. And so what happens is God was with them. It wasn't anything that they were doing so great, but as long as that pillar, if they will follow that pillar of cloud, if they will follow that pillar of fire, they were in this but it's when they complained and when they didn't want to do it his way lord i see a better way lord I look, I look lord i just want you to just send jesus right there just take me up in the direction and i don't ever have to suffer i don't want to suffer like peter did i don't want to suffer like paul did i don't want to suffer like moses i don't want to suffer like david and i'm willing for you just to kill me now yet Yahweh has determined that we, through much tribulation, enter into the kingdom of God. 
He says, so they would say this. So verse number 17, he says, and now I beseech you, let the power of Yahweh be great according to as you have spoken. You're long suffering, you're great in mercy, forgiving iniquity, transgression, and by no means clearing the, you know, the guilty, visiting the iniquities upon the fathers to the children of the third and fourth generation. And so he says, pardon, I beseech you, the iniquity of this people, according to the greatness of your mercy. And as thou hast forgiven this people from Egypt unto now, and Yahweh said, I have pardoned, but truly, as I live, all the earth shall be filled with the glory of God. I've pardoned according to your word. The only thing that was powerful enough to stop me from wiping them out was me. So I held myself back. But it's almost like, I'm telling you, you have an idea. What will tell you? <laughs> and surely as I live, the whole earth is going to feel, be filled with the glory of God. Can we, can we determine we want him to work in us both the will and the do of his good pleasure so that the earth can be filled with the glory of God while we're ruling and doing what he says as opposed to him executing his judgment on us? This is what he's telling the people, I am with you. And so the glory is going to be magnificent in the temple. He said, in the latter temple, it's going to be better. I want you to understand how I see that. Now, you may totally disagree with what I'm saying. But I got a reason for it. Hebrews chapter 8, verse 7. I want you to see this because I know in looking at that temple, and this is the, this temple that was built, and then we see Herod continually built on the temple. And that temple, by the time the Messiah came, he called it a den of thieves. Didn't he call it a den of thieves? Didn't he knock over some people's table? Didn't he say, you can destroy this temple, and in three days I'll raise it up? And they think he was talking about that building, but he was talking about his body. Very important. He's talking about his body. But in Hebrews chapter 8, verse 7, I want you to hear something. It's very good. I'm going to read it kind of moderately. This is the book of Hebrews talking to the Hebrew people, letting them know what God had done. For if the first covenant had been faultless, then there should have been no place sought for the second. For finding fault with them, say, Behold, the days come, saith the Lord, I will make a new covenant with the house of Israel and with the house of Judah. These are the people that are the remnants, and these are the ones that have been brought out, and he's going to make a new covenant with them because before the last time they were gone away, he had said that through Jeremiah. Verse number nine, not according to the covenant that I made with the fathers when I took them by the hand to lead them out of the land of Egypt. When he brought them out of the land of Egypt and he made a covenant with them, he gave them a lot of animal sacrifices to make. He gave them a lot of rituals to do so that they could learn. He gave them a temporal building that they would go to and worship and do the sacrifice and have lights, etc. He gave them what we call the tabernacle. Or we gave them first the, the, yeah, the tabernacle, then it became the temple. It says, because they continued not in my covenant, I regard them not, saith the Lord, I sent them out of the land. Listen, but this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, saith the Lord. I will put my laws in their mind and write them in their hearts, and I will be to them a God, and they shall be to me a people. What he's saying, I will be with you. I'm writing my laws in your I'm writing my laws in your mind, I'm writing them in your heart. 
I'm going to be to you a God. You will be to me a people, and you will not teach every man his neighbor and his brother, saying, Know the Lord, for they also know me from the least to the greatest. I will be merciful to their unrighteousness, and their sins and their iniquities will I remember no more. When he allowed them to come back to the land, he was trying to give them the opportunity to come back in covenant with them, and yet they were allowing some people to stop them from building. They were getting ready to be discouraged because it didn't look as great as it was before, and he still they still had that temple. They still had that sacrificial system where they had to go and offer the animals, but what we are being told here in the book of Hebrews, I'm taking you deeper. Are you ready to go deeper? Do you feel like because you can't go and sit on a pew? Do you feel like you can't go and you can sing in the choir and go back and forth? You can't do God's will. His glory can't be with you. He can't be with you. He should. Why don't you let the words of your mouth and the meditation of your heart be acceptable to him? Verse 13, in that he says a new covenant, he made the first old. Now that which decayeth and waxeth old is ready to vanish. That's a powerful thing for us to see. But I want you to see what's going on here. I want to take you deeper if you're willing to go with me deeper. If you're willing to go with me deeper, he's writing his laws in our hearts and in our minds. When he brought them back in and had the temple, they would have to have God's Ark of the Covenant inside that building. They would have to have animal sacrifices. I'm trying to show you that the glory that God has for us, that the glory that God was going to have for them is much deeper than what they were getting. And so for them to be sad because it's not as glorious as Solomon, Solomon's temple was never going to have as much glory as the one we're talking about now. So let's look at the temple, what that temple is, I believe, that's going to have the most glory. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 4. Why you go to Ephesians 4, verse 4? Paul says a lot of places we are the temple of God. Paul said in other places we're the house of God. The book of Hebrews said we're the house of God. 1 Timothy 3 and 15 said we're the house of God, the church of the living God, the pillar and ground of the truth. But in Ephesians 4 and 4, I like the way it spells this stuff out. Ephesians 4 and 4 says there is one body and one spirit. Even as you are called in one hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and in all and through you all. But I say to everyone is given grace according to the measure of the gift of Christ. What does all that mean to him? You're all members one of another. You all have been empowered because God is with you. That's what that means. He's above all. He's over you. He's through all and in you all. I am with you. Remember he told them, I'm with you? But let's, get, let's take it deeper. Wherefore, he said when he ascended up on high. Who ascended up on high? The Christ. He led captivity captive. In other words, he led the things that would hold you down. He led the wicked ones captive, and he gave gifts unto men. Now that he ascended, Christ, what is it first that he descended first into the lower parts of the earth? He went and tasted death for every man. What do you mean every man? Everybody say no. He tasted death for every man, but every man will not appropriate that in his life. Verse 10, he that descended is the same also that ascended up far above all heavens that he may feel all things. In other words, he's got dominion and rulership, Daniel 7 and 13, where he comes to the clouds to the ancient of days, and there is given the Son of Man. In other words, the Son of Man 
as the son of man, as the son of man, Jesus being coming to earth as man did not use his power as God. He actually fulfilled God's will in the role of man. When I say role, I don't mean that he wasn't man. He was a God man and didn't exercise his prerogative. I could probably say it like this. Let's just imagine somebody. I don't want to. I think I would like to use a super a super character, but they're so wicked nowadays. I just say a man that's got a 45 and he stands up and somebody's attacking him and you find out he could have blew the person away. He didn't do that. He said, and he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. Why? He gave it for the perfecting of the saints, the maturing of the saints, the holy ones, for the work of the ministry, for the work of ministering. What do you think their job was to do when they were supposed to spread God's kingdom? That was a ministry to the earth, the work of the ministry, but the edifying of the body of Christ, so that the body of Christ on the earth, his his body that he lived in is in heaven. The body, those of us that are attached to him, it's right here on earth, and we have citizenship in heaven. And he wants to perfect it. It says, for the edifying of the saints, for the um, for the edifying of the body of Christ, till we all come into the unity of the faith and the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, to a mature man, to a complete man, to the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. I want you to just hold with me just a little bit longer. I'm going to show you about the temple in this. That we will be henceforth no more children tossed to and fro. We will not be like the children of Israel going in with Balaam, going in with Baal, going in with Asherah, going in with the Zidonians, going in with the Tyrrhenians, tossed to and fro. Tossed about with everything that they saw. They would not hold on to Christ. They would do what they would. Don't tell me Christ wasn't back there, but it for the sake of the argument. They would not hold on to Yahweh's word. They were tossed to and fro, kicked out of the land. He said that we would not be like that with the slight of men and cunning craftiness whereby they lie in wait to deceive. But speaking the truth in love may grow up into him in all things, which is the head, even Christ. Please hear this. From whom the whole body, the body of Christ, fitly joined together and compacted by that which, it says, by that which every joint supplies according to the effectual working of the measure in every part maketh increase of the body to the edifying of itself in love. In other words, just like in the tabernacle, they had the, the little stands that were made out of silver. That they would put the rod, I mean, they would put the poles in. At the top, they would have something to go on it. They would have gold and little latches on it. They would put the poles to go around. They would attach the, the, on the top. They would attach the covering. They would attach certain things all the way around here. They made a temple. This is what he's talking about. It says, this I say, therefore, testify in the Lord that you henceforth not walk as other Gentiles walk in the vanity of their mind. They walk like that. He sent some to Assyria. He did three deportations, sent them to Babylon. They had to be under the Persians. They had to be under the Greeks. They had to be under Rome. You don't need to be like that because you are supposed to grow up to the measure of the stature of Christ. You're supposed to be somebody. God is with you. He is trying to put you in a position where you can rule. I'm going to prove it. Having the understanding darkened, alienated from the life of God through the ignorance that is in them because of the blindness of their heart, being past feeling, having given themselves over to lasciviousness. 
all kind of sexuality, all kind of wickedness, to work all uncleanness with greediness. That's where you get your filthy rags from. He said, but you have not so learned Christ. If so be that if you have heard him and have been taught by him as the truth is in Jesus, that you put off the former conversation of the old man. I want you to understand he is telling you the purpose of growing up. Last verse in Ephesians that I want you to look at is Ephesians 2 and 19. 2 and 19. That's your mandate right there. Grow up. Grow up. Don't be like other people. You're teaching. You're supposed to lead. You're supposed to be building up God's glorious temple. But his glorious temple can't be influenced by other other cultures. You can't take other cultures and do it. I gave you pastors and apostles and teachers so that you would know how to grow up in him. And you're going to do something else. You have not learned Christ that way. So he tells him in chapter 2, verse 19, you are no more strangers. And he's talking to a people that just came into the place. According to Acts chapter 19, these people didn't even know, know the Lord, and they have been grafted in to learn him. You are no more strangers, foreigners, but fellow citizens of the saints and of the household of God. Please listen to 20 closely. And are built up upon the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone in whom the, all the building fitly framed together groweth unto a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you also are built together for a habitation of God through the Spirit. He said again, I believe that the glory that he's talking about, yes, that temple could have glory, but I believe his ultimate glory is us. I understand Ezekiel talks about a temple, but I'm telling you now, if you go and read Ezekiel and you're seeing they're going back to sacrificial animals, you don't understand Hebrews 10 and 10, by the which will we are sanctified by the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And now we already have access to the holy place. I don't want to give up my access to the holy place to somebody else ever again. As a matter of fact, some of us have it and don't even use it. I want to submit to you that we're supposed to be what Israel was supposed to be. We're supposed to build. We're supposed to be building the house of God. Let me get in my other voice. We're supposed to be building the house of God. We're supposed to have God in us. We're supposed to be building him a temple that no matter where we go, it's just like the clouds leading. It's just like the fire leading. But most of the time, we want the Republican or the Democrat or the Independent or some activist group to lead us, and we get rid of God. We're tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine, and we call it church. So he says, again, it's imperative that you learn this scripture. Ephesians 2 and 19. Therefore, being no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens of the saints and of the household of God. We talk, when you think of God being a king, you understand why we are called princes. Because we are called princes, this is why we call the royal priesthood. We are saints of the household of God and are built up on the foundation of what the apostles taught. What did the apostles teach? It says, and prophets. They taught what the apostles, and they, I mean, they taught what the prophets taught. And then it says that Jesus Christ being the chief cornerstone. Who do you think was giving Moses his word? Who do you think was talking to Moses? 
Nobody has ever seen the Father. It says, being the chief cornerstone, in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth into a holy temple in the Lord. That's why he gives you prophets and pastors and teachers for the perfecting of this body, for the perfecting of this temple, for the edifying of the body of Christ, that we be no more children tossed to and fro. When are we going to stand up and we can defend what we believe through the word of God and stop the mouths of the gainsayers? When are we going to be able to bring down strongholds and cast down every imagination? When are we going to be able to put our people in charge? It says, in whom the whole building fitly framed together grows into a holy temple in the Lord, in whom you are builded together for a habitation of God through the Spirit. With the God, we will get serious about God. So when we come together, that the temple of God, that the Spirit can be going through us just like the temple. Bless his everlasting name that sits between the cherubim. The last thing I'm going to give you in Hebrews is this. I want you to see it. It's important that you see what he is talking about. I believe it because I know the glory and I know what he's talking about in the temple. And I know what that temple ended up being. And I know God doesn't fail. Hebrews 10 and 9 says, Lo, he said, Lo, I come to do thy will. He taketh away the first that he may establish the second. We're talking about the, the covenant that they break, the reason why they had to go into captivity, the reason they had to come back. They break his covenant. So I'm going to write a new covenant. You would think you would make a new, you would make a new covenant, make them go back through the same system. No, he didn't do it that way. I gave you a chance to go through the training period. Now it's on you. I mean, I'm still with you, but we're not doing the animals. He told the woman at the well, woman, the time is coming. When you won't in Jerusalem, nor in this mountain, worship. You're going to worship the Father in spirit and truth. That's what he said. Listen to verse number 10. By the which will you are sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. You're not sanctified by a bull, a goat, a ram, a turtle dove, a heifer, the grain offering, the meal offering, the fried or the, or, or the roasted. You are not sanctified by that. You are sanctified by the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And he says every priest standing daily ministering offering, offering the same sacrifice can never take away sins. Can you tell me that the temple that we read in Haggai, if it says every priest standing daily ministering offering all times the same sacrifice can never take away sins, can you tell me that there's any way that that temple is more glorious than the temple that Christ is building in us? That's Hebrews 10 and 11. Think about it. If that temple had an earthly priest making daily sacrifices, how can that temple be more glorious than the one that our high priest has offered himself once for all? That cannot take away sin. He could take away sin. I want you to hear the word of God. Verse 12. But this man, after he had offered one sacrifice for sins forever, sat down on the right hand of God from henceforth expecting till his enemies be made his footstool. Was there any high priest that could offer a sacrifice that think all of his enemies would be made his footstool? It should have been. It should have been that when Aaron offered all of the Hittites, the Amorites, or whatever, they should have been made the footstool of Yah. But because the people wouldn't listen, remember that Aaron had a, ble a breastplate, not a blessed, it was blessed too, but a breastplate that had all of the jewels on it that represent all of the tribes. He had those things on his shoulder, King James called it ouches. 
and they had the six names of one tribe. Here's six here. When he would go inside, this was going inside the presence of God for the people that were supposed to come out and do his will. What we have done is we have turned God's religious and his righteous and his holy governmental service into singing. Clap your hands. Clap your hands, everybody, and wave your hand in the air. No. What do you mean, no, Tim? I mean to tell you this. When we come before God, this is like what what you call church. It should be like coming and when, if you ever know anything about football, the men, they get in a thing called a huddle. And they determine, but 12 men get in a little group, and they determine what they're going to do. If they're going to throw the ball, if they're going to run the ball, if the men just going to sit down on it, take a knee, they determine. But they don't stay in the huddle all game. They come out of the huddle, and it's time to execute. Those on the other side, they determine, are we going to are we gonna blitz? Are we going to send a whole lot of men? Are we going to just stand back and try to catch a pass? Same thing in basketball. They go to the, they go to the side sometimes, and the coach has that thing, and he's writing down. So if you don't like sports, same thing when a man determines, I want this kind of building. He get down with an architect. I want this many rooms. I want this many bathrooms. I want it to be this high. And they work, and then they make a blueprint. And then they go and execute. This is what it's supposed to be when we come together. We're not supposed to just come and sing and get happy. How many times have I wounded his heart and sing and be happy and go back and do hell? If you're going to sing that kind of song, don't wound it no more. Don't wound his heart. What you end up doing, you make church the end as opposed to the time when you're getting together and planning, where you're fortifying yourself to go out to do the will of God. It should be like you're coming to the gas station and you're filling up with gas, checking your oil, getting all that done, getting your tires checked, replaced if you need to because you got to get back out on the road. So he says, but this man after he has offered one sacrifice for sin, forever sat down on the right hand of God. This is mean as he's in heaven. From henceforth, expect until his enemies be made his footstool. We got work to do. According to the 16th chapter, I believe it is, in the 20th verse of Romans, it says, we will, we will actually have Satan under our feet. So verse 14 says, for by one offering, has he perfected forever them that are sanctified, whereof the Holy Ghost is also witness to us to us for after this manner he said before this is the covenant i will make with them after those days saith the lord i will put my laws in their hearts and in their minds will i write them and their sins and iniquities i will remember no more saints if we don't ever get this if we don't ever get that that new temple that new temple is in us that new temple is what we're supposed to be that new temple causes us to be glorious, causes us to be who he would have us to be. I only got one, I, I said I had one more in Hebrews, but my mind say, Tim, don't leave them without this one picture because God knows a lot of times you may never get this in your church. So please listen to Hebrews 8, 1. I think I'm going to go through 4. It's important that you get it. It says, now concerning the things which we have spoken. He's talked about Melchizedek up until now, and he talked about us being able to go to the high priest. He said, we have such an high priest who is set on the right hand of the throne of the majesty in heaven, 
a minister of the sanctuary of the true tabernacle. This is why I brought you here, of the true tabernacle. Moses' tabernacle wasn't the true tabernacle, but it was true for them. The tabernacle or the temple that they built in Solomon's day, it was not the true tabernacle, neither the one in Haggai. It says a minister of the true tabernacle, which the Lord pitched and not man. You get that? All of those temples and that, all of that was temporary. It was real. It was true. It had, it had your justification in it because it was looking forward to the day that you would reach this real temple. The true temple which the Lord pitched and not man. Verse 3, but every high priest is ordained to offer gifts and sacrifices where it, it is, whereof it is of necessity that this man have somewhat to offer. Talking about Christ. For if he were on earth, he should not be a priest, seeing that there are priests that offer gifts according to the law, the animal sacrifices. Listen to verse 5. Who serve unto an example, who serve unto an example and shadow of the heavenly things, as Moses was admonished by God when he was about to make the tabernacle for see. This is what God says, see, saith he, that you make all things according to the pattern showed to you in the mount. Moses, you will make this according to the truth. See it? Do you see it? Yes, sir. I'm going to help you remember it, okay? Yes, sir. Now, make everything according to the pattern. And then God gave Bezaliel and Aholiab and the women gave them ability to fix that. When David, the same thing with his tabernacle, God gave him the pattern. I don't know who gave them the pattern. Maybe, maybe Ezra, tell me. I forgot cause if, if I ever knew. But those were patterns. We are, we are the truth. And when you get to the book of the Revelation in the last chapter, you're going to see that the temple is Christ and the Father. And guess what? We are a part of him. And so it says, verse 6, but now he has obtained a more excellent ministry by how much more he is a mediator of a better covenant, which is established upon better promises. I'm not going to go and read all of that. I wanted us to see that there's something deeper in that. And I'm going to go back here to Haggai so you can see where we were. I'm in verse number three. I'm in number four. Be strong, Zerubbabel, save Yahweh. Be strong, Joshua, son of Yasadak. Be strong, all you people of the land. And work, for I am with you, saith the Lord of armies, according to the words that I covenanted with you when I came out of Egypt, so my spirit remaineth among you. Fear ye not, but thus saith the Lord of hosts. Yet for a little while I will shake the heavens and the earth and the sea and the dry land. I will shake all the nations, and the desire of the nations shall come and fill this house with glory, saith the Lord of hosts. I'm, I'm, I'm going to give you money. I'm going to give you their stuff. I'll give you of their people, but it's going to fill my house. But I need you to know, just like it was in Egypt, the gold is mine. The silver is mine. You don't have to worry about this. And that's why he said the glory of this latter house shall be greater than the former. And the glory of the latter house, I believe that house is us. And that's why I laid it out. I said, because you can disagree with me, but you're going to have a real problem. Because where does that house fit this glory? of this house to still offer animal sacrifices and to still got a high priest on earth that's going to die and be replaced. How can it be more glorious than the one that does have an unchangeable priesthood? He said, it'll be greater than the former, saith the Lord of hosts. And then he says, and in this place, 
will I give you peace, says the Lord of hosts. We need that. We need that. I, I want to stop in about three minutes, but there's one part that I want to get, because I'm not going to finish this, and I'm fine with that. But I want to get to this, because I brought in the filthy rags, and I want to bring us to that. It's in the 420th day, or, or the 420th, yeah, 420th day of the ninth month, time for sowing the seed. In the second year, Darius came, the word of the Lord by Haggai, a prophet, saying, Thus saith the Lord of hosts, armies, ask not a priest concerning the law, saying, if one bear holy flesh in his skirt, so if he got his robe on, like like my little shirt here, and he got meat on it, okay, he got the animal. If he bear holy flesh in the skirt of his garment, and with his skirt does touch bread or pottage or wine or oil or any meat, shall it be holy? And the priest answered, no. You see, one of the things that people might not know is in Leviticus chapter 6 and 20, it says, this is the offering that Aaron and his sons, which he shall offer the Lord in the day when he is anointed a tenth part of an ephah of fine flour, a meat offering and perpetual. It will be morning and night, etc. Um, the point that I was going to make is, and I don't see it and I'm not going to pull it up. When the, when, when the meat touches certain things, you can look it up for me. When the meat touches anything, it will be holy. If it touched the bread, but the point that was being made here, and for the sake of time, I looked at how long I've been on here. The the skirt would be holy, but it doesn't transfer from the second thing. This is what he's saying. If it, if it touches, notice how, he, how it's written. If it says pottage, wine, anything, shall it be, if, if he has flesh, holy flesh in his garment, and with the skirt do touch bread, pottage, or wine, or oil, shall it be holy? They said no. Then he gives the converse. Then said Haggai, if one that is unclean by a dead body touch anything, shall it be unclean? Yes, it's unclean because wickedness transfers like that. Uh, unclean, the ceremonial unclean go like that. And the priest answered and said, it shall be unclean. Okay. Then he answered, then answered Haggai and said, so is this people. And so is this nation before me, saith the Lord. And so is every work of their hand and that which they offer is unclean. Why is that? It's because they were wicked. This is what it's talking about in Isaiah 64 and 6. And people tell you all your righteousness is as filthy rag. I'll read it. Isaiah 64 and 6. It says, but we are all unclean. We are all of the unclean thing. And all of our righteousnesses are as filthy rags. And we all fade as a leaf. And our iniquities like the wind have taken us away. When we are wicked, when we are outside the will of God, when we're not doing God's will, we're interested in us living in sealed, sealed cedar houses. We're interested in doing our will and building our kingdom and not building his kingdom. And we're doing God wrong. We're mistreating one another. All of our righteousness to him is unclean. All of our righteousness is as filthy rags. But when that was written about Isaiah 64, that was talking about Judah. It's not talking about us. Because if Christ is in you, do you understand that Christ becomes your righteousness? Your redemption and sanctification? Can you tell me that your righteousness is as a filthy rag? This is when you're going to live an ungodly life and your pastor tell you it's okay. You can, you can still lay up. 
You can still watch porn. You can still steal from people. You can still lie. You can still do anything that's outside of God's will and think you're going to be clean. If you're touching a dead body, anything it touches unclean. If we're touching the things that bring death, we're unclean. And that's why I believe if, uh, Colossians 3 and 5 says mortify. Mortify your members that are upon the earth. And it mentioned things that defile and bring death. There's a new temple. When God restores, when God restores us, you can look back and say there's some things missing. You can say that I'm not as strong as I used to be. I don't have what I used to have, but are you serious about God now? Are you serious enough about him to do his will? Are you serious about him that the, the content of your heart is much more than it was before? Are you interested in building his kingdom? Are you interested in doing his will? Are you interested in teaching your children and your children, children and those that, that you know because you're so grateful and you're trying to build up a holy temple unto the Lord? I would submit to you that your glory right now would be greater than it was before. I would submit to you that your glory would be greater because there's sometime after the Lord chasing, then people learn to fear. And that's what the psalmist said before I was afflicted. I went astray, but now what? I keep. I keep your word. I think there's hope in that. I believe that there's hope in that to know that, well, they got a tabernacle. They had a temple. Man, they had, man I would love to see Solomon's temple. Yeah, I would have loved to have seen it too, but we have more. That high priest that was there, he was going to die. That king that was ruling, he was going to die. We have a we have an unchangeable priesthood. We have a temple that builds up to the glory of God. We have a dual citizenship, one on earth and one in heaven. Actually, I don't even know if you want to call it a dual citizenship because Peter said we're pilgrims. We're strangers. I think I'd rather agree with him than myself. So with that, I'm going to say the book of Haggai is getting the, the people's minds right to be serious about God, to look deeper, to not just be worried about themselves and what they want, to start thinking about the things of God, to think about what it is to be sanctified and work. They will have to build the house of God, the physical house. We through God are going to build a spiritual house. Through God, He's going to pitch that tabernacle, this temple. Are we ready to be pliable? Are we ready to let Him put us in the body as He sees fit? Or are you going to be upset because one person got a gift and you don't have it? Or are you going to be upset because this person can do something and you can't? Are you going to say, Because I'm not the hand, I, I, I'm not going to be part of the body because I'm not an eye? Body, God said, He puts everybody in the body as it pleases Him. Well, with that, I'm going to stop because this this it gets it's deeper than it looks, but at the same time, it's teaching. Father, thank you for your mercy. Thank you for your powerful word. I ask you by your might and your power to help us realize those of us who have turned away from you, and you've been gracious enough to let us come back. We know we missed a lot. Many of us do. Some might not. But that we don't get bogged down in what we've lost but that we make it our ability to work, to work, to bring the glory back to your kingdom through our lives and that our lives would be conducive to your will and that we would live in such a way that you'll be pleased with our work to the praise of your glory.
and that your glory will be shown in the earth so that we'll be just like your son says, we are the light of the world. We are the city that is set on a hill and that our lights would shine before men that they would see our good works and then they will look at us and learn to glorify your father, which is in heaven. Amen. Amen and amen. I open our class for discussion. If there's any discussion tonight, or if there's any rebuttal, if I have any rebuttal tonight, we may get Gary to answer any rebuttals for me. He's so kind. Mm-hmm. He's a beautiful quick, brother. Quick question. Not really a question. Mm-hmm. But is it illegal to go out and get a tent? No, sir. When you say, hmm. you talking about a tent to have service? Yes. No, sir. I, I, I mean, unless I don't have no more information, give me. I mean, if you just go get a tent, what's the difference in getting a tent, which is cheaper than getting a building and paying more, if it would do the same thing? So help me no. with the. Yeah, the uh, reason I asked that question is, I'm, I'm thinking that when I was in the world, I really didn't listen to church or care to see it on TV, hear it on the radio. And so with all of this good knowledge and information, and I don't know the majority of the people that's listening on Facebook or however they are listening to it, some kind of way you have to get it or we have to get it out to the masses. When the Bible speaks about going out to the byways and the highways and to compare the people to come in, because Oftentimes, you know, like I said, I, I didn't, I didn't listen to it, so I'm just wondering how can we, how can we start outside of the body to get the message out? I mean, because like you said, the people that listen to it at some point or another, they should have some kind of strength. They, uh, at a certain point, you're not no longer on milk, you're on meat. Mm. But that would that would be my question. How can we take this ball of energy and go out to the lost? You know, because like I mean, when I hear it, it's good, it encourages me, it blesses me. But at the same time, I mean, Jesus said He came for the sick. The well is not needing of of a physician, and so that's why I asked about a tent. Is it illegal for us to just go out and set up a tent? No, get a sorry. bull horn. Get a bull horn. It's and not. And other people. That's my, because uh, when I hear that good teaching like you just done, I get, got in kind of late, but it, it, it just want me to know, okay, you said when. That was your question, when. So, when? <laughs> That's what I would say, when? When are we, you know, we going to get out to the, to the laws? You know, this one method, don't get me wrong, I'm not discrediting this method, but you ain't going to go to the sheep, to the long sheep. Oh, oh, it's definitely, based on me understanding your question, it's not illegal unless the jurisdiction of the city or the state or the providence won't let you do it. But even in that case, when America gets to the place where it is illegal to preach, or to do what I'm doing on Facebook, or to talk mm-hmm. to people, then I'll probably end up in prison and be doing it in prison uh, till they mm-hmm. kill me or something like that. 
there have been people, even some that are of our overlords, that a lot of things that they didn't get right, one thing that they did, because there were some that really wanted to do right, and they're just, just blind spots that we'll have. And many of them were beaten. The Lollards, I think the Catholic Church killed all of them. Uh, they, they were so many people. So many people that were teaching the Catholic Church kills, so there were opposition to them. And uh, that's why we started. We started with. We started doing. Uh, we used to do cassettes, and we would give albums of cassettes away. We didn't charge. Then we did CDs. Then we got a podcast. We traveled a lot. Yeah, we travel. We we travel, man. I I used to do four classes a week. I go to like mm-hmm. shelter. I'd go to shelters. I go to different churches. And one time I went to a church and I heard the pastor. He said it to my face. Uh, How did he tell me about taking his thunder? He said he wasn't gonna let me know, Colonel. Trying to steal my thunder. Yeah, I'm trying to steal. <laughs> I went to Brought a. You there. <laughs> teach Bible study for him and he recognized that more people were coming to hear the Bible study than coming to the church on Sunday and he mm-hmm. okay stealing my thunder as okay so shortly thereafter we were disinvited yes. if that's a word I taught the book of Romans right. there then I we went to an, we went to another home and taught the book of Deuteronomy mm-hmm. and taught Hebrews at one another home. Yes, and then uh, we have a minister too. He was white homes. White, yeah, a, a, a white guy. Um, what's his name? Virginia, yeah. And he went on. He went on to teach at his church. His daughter got jealous. Yeah, and so we were disinvited there too. Yeah, because he wouldn't come. He wouldn't. He wouldn't do God with them he with bubble gum. Wouldn't go to church. He wanted to learn the word. And so he's he's like and you know whatever it takes because one of uh, one of the people that would come to our Bible study at, at home she took him they weren't getting along at work black woman yeah and she started taking him our CDs because we print up CDs earn CDs and just hand them out you know and so she took some to him and he was like I gotta meet this man you know is it any way I could talk to him and meet him and from there we started going you know, to his daughter's house, we'd meet him at his daughter's house because he wanted her to learn the word, to go deeper, and it wasn't all about church. And so he he said, well, we're going to listen to him. We're going to listen to him teach. And so, you know, he went through, and he was so glad to get it. He said, I never knew the scriptures. He said he had been in church all of his life, and he had never learned the Bible. He had never heard some of the things that Tim was preaching, and he said, I just, I want to do this. I want to live this. I want to teach this to my family and to people I know and to my friends. And it's like her, their relationship changed. You know, uh, he, uh, he got better with his wife. He got better with his wife, and he started, he actually, they asked him to come and teach Bible study in the church that his daughter was going to. So, We've been we've been around. We've been in a funeral home with people. We've we've, we've that's where we first that's where we first did away from home is at a funeral home on Candler Road. Yeah, so 
and then we got the pot. Then I said, okay, well, we can do the podcast. And we had so many people from China. Thousands. 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 And it ended up. A month. Yeah, it ended up being, yeah, a month. And it's like they got cut off. Yeah, China, Singapore, Japan. They cut off, you know, where they couldn't get it, you know. And right. Like, and they were talking about persecution that was happening to them and not being in all of their services being taken away. And so it's, it's so, you know. And what about the African, the African person said, don't ever stop. Yes. That was a, a woman from Uganda. And she said that is this, their nation is pretty much, they really, whether well, at least their um, prime minister or their president or whatever he's called there. He, he actually did a whole thing where he denounced all the witchcraft they had done and said that they were going to live according to the word. And so that that's how they've been ruling and that's how he's been reigning. And so the people from Uganda get to hear and it's like we're learning the scriptures. Because, you know, of course, you still have people that still, you know, just do church. But um, she said, don't ever stop. This is, we need this. So it's, it's um, a lot of people on the West Coast. So we're kind of out there, but I get what you're saying because I've been wanting to do that. And not just just preaching but like for winter go hand out coats and and preach the word or blankets or whatever you know whatever it takes mm-hmm. to get the word out to people mm-hmm. yeah i mean it, i mean it's a beautiful thing it's just uh i just be when i hear it i'm like how can we get it out to the master that's all i want to do I and mean, i know you just said you, y'all did and doing still and that's good i mean it's more than one we ain't casting that down at no, all. No, if you got some insight, you know? <laughs> I mean, we work together, you know, you. You know, we'll just have to do the social distancing thing and, the, you know, make sure that we're careful with that because, you know, that's mainly the reason why they won't let people go and congregate, even in buildings, right. you know, but. And yeah. and it it may it may turn out that we, I may need to start giving out CDs again. Yeah, reading I thought about thought about it like that just a minute ago. I was watching this one brother on the TV, and I was just thinking about what you say, brother Tim. That that we are they own everything. So even with him teaching, he can't be as raw like that. You see what I'm saying? Yes, sir. To a certain extent, because they can cut him off. So he kind of. He just going, you know, for what he know. But when you bring the way you bring it, it's undulterated, uncut. It, it won't be long before you be cut off too. So that's why I think we got to get it out to the streets. Yeah, they can't cut the streets off, but they can cut the TV off. You know what I'm saying? The people, the power, they be so speak. Right. If I so saw them, I might could get out there, you know. Like if they're, I love to I know a man that sing like that. It's like he on 24 hours a day. Isn't he? All the time, boy. Shoot, he has a monopoly on whatever channel that is. Uh, for is real? He's on channel. It might be. A, I'm talking about uh, Jimmy Swagger, okay? Oh, okay? He's older now, and when he sings, oh. you, can, you can hear like, his voice is weaker. 
than it used to be. Glory to God. Glory to God. I don't usually usually hear him say a whole lot of folly, but at the same time, we need something to help our people. And anything anything that will help the black man or help the world. I don't, I don't, you know, my thing is that that I'm scratching. If you see me scratching, if you're looking on the thing, uh, Tim Merritt was outside working um, last week, week before, and this vine, it had these three leaves on it, got all over him, and he went on the web and looked it up, and it's called Poison Oak. Golly, you've done something to yourself again. I'm going to preach a sermon about that one day. I'm going to preach about one day that you can be around something a lot of times and it never bothers you. And one day it gets you. Because I have messed with those vines a lot of times. A lot of times. Mm-hmm. And that's what the Bible says. Because sinners against the evil work is not executed speedily. Therefore, the hearts of the sons of men are fully set in them to do evil. But, Brother Charles, I, I'm definitely looking at what can we do. Because I have sons. And I'm working. I'm working with something to get my sons prepared. If I die, I want them to be able to go ahead and take my place. And you have a son, and you know that's why when I'm talking to you all the time, it's like we can do work and get business. But the kingdom, they were building up their houses. They were building, up, and 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 I say, well, what about the Lord's house? And wait till wait till we get to Nehemiah. Nehemiah building the wall because people think about they use that to raise an offering to build a building. So how about raising a lifestyle that will fight against evil, that will protect us against pedophilia, that will protect us against the wickedness, that will protect us against this culture so that we can keep people out, even if we have to have a little small enclave till we grow. When are we ever going to be the people of God? I mean, I can hallelujah. I can sing. I might not sing as good as I used to. Give me a month. Because anything you practice, you get better at if you if you have a propensity for it anyway. Am I correct? But I went for years and I didn't want to sing anymore. I got tired of seeing people singing. I knew how you live. You can sing and you can do all that. You can cry. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. And I know you living with your boyfriend. I remember seeing this one lady do this in the church. She would cry. and stand up there and cry. And she and she would commit an adultery with a man in the church. <laughs> and I remember other people that would get in church and do something and go, ah, ah, and be screaming. And but if you talk to them, you would never know that they were that they were supposed to know God. But you know they go to church. Look, but look at what that has gotten us. Look at what church versus having the spirit of God, being his temple has gotten us. Mm -hmm. I mean, we got a long way to go. We do, we do, man, we do, we do. I just heard a brother on the radio this morning. He called in crying because he said he's so, he don't know what to do. He's so fed up, you know, from that last shooting of that guy that got shot in the back. And uh, the the speaker of the radio show said, well, you're a great man of faith. You know what to do with this guy that called in. He like other men. 
And I was saying to myself, man, we got to just cut it out. <laughs> we just got to cut it out. Oh. Either you on God's side. The ones on God's side is on God's side. The one that's not, they down. And, that's and, right. And, and we just, we just, we trying to be everybody's friend. And he told the guy, you're a great man of faith. And here this man called in. And he talks about it. He like me and sometimes. And the guy, you know, on 1380, to show you uh, your 1380. What do you think I would have said to him if he'd asked me to say that to me? Man, you'd have corrected it, man. And, but I mean, because, because in actuality, in actuality, what are you doing with God's covenant in your mouth when you hate his commandments, instructions, mm-hmm. Psalm 50 and 17? Mm-hmm. How are you going to find something wrong with what they're doing and you're doing wrong? It, right. you're, gonna t- you're gonna tell me them killing somebody is worse than you going out there uh, laying up with men. You both say I don't care what God say. Right. But the and you both, get, tell them, and you both the, get the death penalty according to God. Right. See, but the uh, speaker of the show then he consoled them. You know which. You know it is like man, I I feel your pain, and I'm like oh brother. And that's on 1380. Right. I, I I might go see how much it costs to get on 1380. I used to be on 860 with a man named Dr. Body, but the, the thing that I'm looking at now is that we don't know the word. This is why we started like we did. My goal was to teach the whole Bible verse by verse. Mm-hmm. And I think there may be 10 books that I haven't taught. I don't know if I'd ever do it again verse by verse. I'd probably do thought for thought. You know, like take chapter one and deal with it by thought, and then sometimes do some verse by verse, and then sometimes maybe just do a, just do a whole book. Just go through, go over a whole book, give you an overview. There's just so much that we got to get drilled in. That's why CNN, NBC, C, uh, MSNBC, Fox. That's why they always give you the same news. If they give it to you probably at four in the morning. Five in the morning, six in the morning, seven, eleven thirty, twelve, uh, maybe four o'clock, five o'clock. Same news. Donald Trump ate a frog. Donald Trump ate a frog. Donald Trump mm-hmm. tweeted about a frog. Uh, you know, <laughs> or, or, but let me tell you why I believe they're killing these people. You see, there was a video that came up and it was on the web, and I don't know if I recorded it or not, but there's a group that Black Lives Matter, the money was going to the group doing stuff for the Democrat Party. So what happens is if somebody gets killed, they get to raise more money. And so collateral damage is just collateral damage. We're expendable. We're expendable. And sometimes things happen and they use actors, but nobody would really want to hear me say that. You'd have to look at some of the videos that were shown where you'd see it yourself. So until you see it, don't repeat me. But I'm just telling you, things are staged a lot of times. Don't ever believe everything that you see. As a matter of fact, when um, the World Trade Center blew blew up, I could. That's what I couldn't believe. Why they were thinking that yeah. they didn't believe it because I couldn't understand. They said you all do stuff. 
they knew about our propaganda before we did. Not I didn't learn it from 9/11. I learned it at the Pep Boys getting a vehicle fixed, probably about 1989 or 90. And I was talking to this guy. I think he was from Poland because I think I was asking about Lefkowinza. You know, because I hear about him. I said, "You all get a lot of propaganda over there." He said, "We." <laughs> get the prop and I and I said, what do you mean? By the time he got through talking to me, I never saw America the same way. Because if you listen to if you listen to Rush Limbaugh, listen to regular TV, mm-hmm. um, a lot of people used to get mad that I listened to Rush Limbaugh, but I appreciated him. I, I I never was in love with him, but he told me he, he taught me that congressmen make laws that they don't have to keep. He told me that they would go eat in the cafeteria and wouldn't pay. That he would make they would make taxes for us to pay that they wouldn't pay. They would make it illegal for you to get a, a, a illegal alien and let them work and they did it. That they would some of them are doing sex and have brothels. I it's like I never knew. And he's the one that made me lose confidence in the government because I began to realize that when you pledge allegiance to the flag, it's like in my mind I couldn't see a difference. And I pledge allegiance to the Republicans, the Democrats, the Congress, the Senate. I I couldn't. It's like you all make the laws. You all enforce them on us, and you're exempt. I I, I couldn't understand. I was country boy, still country, and country Mm -hmm. good. Country good. Let let, let a bomb come to America and see who survives. And it's like I didn't know these things. And so now it's like... The one and one thing that I look at is the kingdom of God. The kingdom mm-hmm. of God. But Charles, you got something else for us? Cause you coming out with good stuff. No, I was just thinking about those things there that uh, how people do. You know, so that was just on my mind. Well, if you come up with something else while Gary Gary is giving his um comment on what you said, let us know. Gary, what's your comment on what Charles said? Did we lose him? No, sometimes he take a minute to, to switch over. <laughs> and then sometimes he don't like his, his, um, his name in my mouth. <laughs> I told Naomi you were going to call my name. <laughs> I just love my brother. I, bro, Charles, that's a good idea. <laughs> I was thinking about the scriptures. One of them that you were uh, talking about was Hebrews 10 and 16. This is the covenant that I will make with them after those days, said the Lord, I will put my laws into their hearts. And in their minds will I write them. And I thought about um, Matthew 13. I was talking about the heart and how it can be hard and how people like to hear the word, but it really doesn't resonate or it doesn't go down like the seed that is supposed to uh, produce something. And I thought about Saul, how God gave him a new heart, yet he he really cast it aside because his heart was set on um exalting himself and and so forth and um 
I, I like the way you really um, expounded and made the application for us to understand how Haggai was dealing with the physical edifice, but the, that true eternal uh, edifice is supposed to be us. But if we don't have our mindset on the things of God, and if you went to Colossians, was talking about mortify the deeds of the body, it don't matter how much word we hear. Because the people went up and the, the people was waiting on Moses to come down from the mountain. And they heard in one sense, and they said they were going to do it. But all those centuries, they never, except for that remnant, and God was merciful to the remnant. They didn't, they didn't hear it. So, Ecclesiastes says really that there's nothing new under the sun, and and that sad thing is that man is still wicked, and man needs to repent. It's like the the message has always stayed the same: to repent. And so I was just listening to this, and I think Anne other night said she thought about um, Samson. Makes me think of Samson too, because he was talking about that great that end. Maybe we've lost something, but to have the fear of God is the, is the beginning of wisdom. It says with great sorrow, but it's, it's the beginning of wisdom. But you see Samson, after having wasted so much time, he, he was able to give God glory and was not afraid to die. And so I, I just, just listen to this. It, it made me think a little bit of redeeming the time. Also, um, um, very, very good message. And, um, we really, we really need to listen and obey, because uh, you know it talks about how in Matthew how certain things will choke the word of God out. People act like they can hear, and they, they don't. I mean, they hear the word and none, because they already determined that they're not going to obey. They already determined that it's an impossibility. They already determined that Jesus is not strong enough. But if they just sit there and hear, you know, that Jesus loves you, that's that's good enough. And it's like. They've already determined it. So um, I, th- I thought it was uh, a good message, great food for thought. And um, those were some of the things that I was thinking about. A lot of it had to do with my life. Do you remember when I, when I first talked to you many years ago, I said, I done messed up in my life. I'm talking to Ann. And I said, I messed up in my life. God would never use me. You said, how you know he's not using you now? That's right. But Charles, that was the saddest thing because I had fallen and I knew that I had got to the place that I didn't want to do right. They used to pray. I used to pray, Lord, Lord, help me me to want to want to do right without having to kill me or make me cripple. And I I had just been so disappointed and hurt by churches and people that I looked up to wasn't being what I thought they were. Then I end up, but those that got to see me do dirt wasn't what they thought I was. And that's why I fight it so hard against Satan. That's why our reputation is so important. We get the enemies of God occasion to blaspheme. I mean, Richard, when... When I was younger, they used to have a book in the church that I went to. It's called a discipline. They call it discipline. And I was told, I was told when I was young, because I, I had a good memory. I, 
I don't like the verb. I had a good memory. I could sit down and memorize a chapter in about three hours and recite it and know it. Because I started learning I could do that because they used to have a thing called Gideons. They would come to the school. They would give you prizes if you memorize a verse. They give me one one verse. Okay, I probably memorize it before they leave. <laughs> okay, and then mm-hmm. then they give you a long when you get a bigger prize. And I remember even from back then. I don't know if I've tried to study. So let not your heart be troubled. You believe in God. Believe also in me. Yeah, yeah. He said, "In my father's house are many mansions. If we're not so, I would have told you so." I memorized that and won stuff. I would just win stuff, and so I kept doing it. So we would have a program. You could either get up on the stage and sing, or you could recite something. So I'd recite stuff. My mom would have us say in Bible verses before we would eat. And, you know, I'd memorize a different. I didn't want to keep saying Jesus wept like everybody else. I didn't want to. I didn't. I just said, what time? I said, dead flies. And so does a little father to him that's in the reputation of wisdom and honor. Yeah, but I could could keep a straight face, though. I was intrigued, though. You could tell. Were you there when I did that, Gary? Yes. I was like, (laughs) the ointment of the apothecary to sit for a a stinking savor. And so does a little father to him that's in the reputation of wisdom and honor. That scripture is so powerful, though. Let me let me go out and go to a whorehouse. Let me go out and go to a strip club. Let me do like some things like whenever you used to say, Tim, you're too angry. Yeah. What you and you told me one time I was doing something, you said, You have sons. They're watching. Did I stop? Stop. You said, You have sons. She said she said this is what she said, Gary. Tim, you have sons. They're watching you. I said, I ain't doing nothing wrong. I mean, if I mess up something, I pay for You have sons. That was it. Case closed. But that was that was folly. It sent forth a stinking savor. And we as men, especially when your hair get as white as mine, come on, we should have less and less folly on our record. Less and less. Andrina, what's your comments for tonight, precious love? Tell the Tim. The Tim. The Tim. Like the Donald. <laughs> 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 like the son of man. <laughs> um, it was it was really good because I think we're kind of at that point right now where we where we all of us has been at that point, anybody that's listening who who've experienced what people call deliverance, uh, you know, of you being translated from the kingdom of darkness to the kingdom of light, who, you know, have, you know, been taken captive by the Lord instead of being taken captive by Satan and, and your sins. There's something in that deliverance that they were missing. You know, it's of course, you know, you, you always told that deliverance is is going to bring your child home, your child is not going to be sick, 
You're going to be prosperous. You're going to have everything you need. You're not going to have any wants, any desires that the Lord won't fulfill. And deliverance is sold that way. Or you're not, you're no longer going to be um, wrapped up in, in pornography or whatever, any kind of sin or any kind of vice. And then, but then you're going to prosper. And so it's deliverance is sold in that way. And when we look at these people, the Judas, the Judah Heights, <laughs> how they came back and they experienced that deliverance and they began to prosper and they were able to build their homes and rebuild. And that's what deliverance is about for you to rebuild your home. But it's like, but you can't leave the Lord out. And so there is something there to see that it's like, it's not just about you rebuilding your life is for you to glorify him and it's like you're leaving his glory off while you continue to glorify yourself and it's like there's nothing wrong with being delivered and things changing in your household but you have to give the glory and the honor to him and it's like it's rare that you get people that come out of the world and that they immediately it's like let's work for the lord and when you do that you you try to find a place to work. You know, it's like I like the men standing around and say, Nobody hired me, you know, and you never tell of the day. You know, it's like, why y'all standing around not doing anything? It's like, oh, nobody hired us. But you're looking for a place to work and you want to do the Lord's work. And in my experience, that's what it was for me. And so I'm I think if I go to the neighborhood church, I should be able to you know, participate and work and learn at the same time. And it's like, it wasn't that way. It was like I was told, oh, you calm down. You know, uh, you you know, you don't need to do all of that. It doesn't take all of that. And so that, that drive to serve the Lord and that drive to work for him and the drive to build his kingdom, they choked it out of me. And it's like, I have to remove myself from this situation because I was feeling like I did my time. I go on a Sunday and, you know, I spend the whole day there Sunday. Like I do go do the um, Bible study in the morning and then I stay there for the, you know, the service. And then if we have to come back, I come back. I start feeling like I had served my time. And it's like, is this what it is? Do I have it wrong? And, and it's like, I have to remove myself from this situation. Because I, I'm losing it. I'm losing the will to work for him. Because somebody else is telling me that it doesn't take all of that. It's not necessary. You could just be in the choir. I mean, that was one of the first things they said. You could go in the choir. You know. so, um, so you get to see that the reconstruction, you know, and the reconstruction of our lives. It means the reconstruction of the glory in the earth. Like, you go back to the task that you were put on earth to do, that you were chosen to do, which is, you, you go back to the, you go back to the job you were chosen to do, and that was to glorify him in the earth, and that others would see your good works and glorify him. And so it's like you you think you would have been delivered so that you can just be better and that you can be prosperous, but it's for his glory and it's for his honor. And that I like how you say, you know, that the work, let's do the work because it's like you've forgotten 
And it's like, look at the things that have happened to us and the things that are happening to us right now and how much we have lost, how much he has blown on all of our assets. I don't, I don't mean just black people. I mean, everybody has been blown upon in the earth. So whatever you thought you had, you don't have it anymore. A lot of people are, are you know, pretty much subject to the will of the government because they're the ones paying the unemployment to people who can't work, you know. And so these are the people, some people are waiting on stimulus checks, whatever. But you still get to see that he's blown upon the earth and he's taken away certain things from us for us to consider our ways. And many of us are not considering our ways. Many of us are still thinking like, hey, it's gonna, it's, this is no big deal. And it's going to go on, but we're not considering and going back to the scriptures and going back to the first love where you want to do God's will and you have that fire for him and you want to go out and preach to others and you want to tell people about the peace you have in your life now. But it's like we've been so, we've been, we've come so far away from that because of the media, because of things that were strategically put in place to keep us in bondage, in bondage to our overlord. And it, because as long as you can keep us in bondage to our sins, we'll be in, in bondage to our overlord. And in, in Nehemiah, it talks about we, we don't even have power over our own bodies anymore. And so it's like, we need deliverance. And it's like, but what is the deliverance for? We want to go back to church, but what are you going back to church for? The same. So, and, and get to be called deacon and reverend and sisters and fair lady, not first lady, fair lady. And what the fair lady do? God of Jesus. We we kind of forget, you know. Um, this is a this is a good reminder, and I like how you was bringing out about the temple being us because. It was always that way. That's why the word was supposed to be in us. That's why we were supposed to love him, you know, the first commandment, because it was supposed to be about our bodies and him having control over our bodies, him having dominion over us to do his work, you know, to be imagers. You know, we think about we made his image that he had arms, legs, what color is it and all that. No. We're supposed to magnify his will upon the earth, his kingdom rule upon the earth. This what, that's what we're here for. So I was watching, um, I think it was an old video about the, I want to say he's the Shah of Iran. And he had this fantastic party. Like he brought all the kings and queens and princes and princesses from all over, you know, the earth. <laughs> He brought everybody in. He set up a whole thing out there where, um, what is it called? It's the uh, the ruins of, um, it's called something. Babylon with that wall? Yeah, it's a it's a, it's a place out there where you, you have the two big sphinxes with the m heads of men and the body of lions. Mm -hmm. He set up a whole thing. He cleared some of that stuff out and he put up all these tents. And he did all of this because he wanted to declare to the world that he was king of kings. That's what he called himself. And so he get through this great big party, but he didn't invite any other people that was in his kingdom. 
and he used their revenue to do it. And you got all of these people. They didn't uh, Nixon. It was during the time of Nixon. Nixon didn't come, but it was his vice president Spiro Agnew. Agnew went. Well, I remember and, that. <laughs> and so you just see all these people filing in and and bowing down, and you know, just whenever he told them to move, they moved, and you know. Going okay, the party's over. Go into your tent, you know, because he set up tents and everything lavish, lavish. Flew in people from uh, France to to do all the cooking and all of the equipment. He did all of that because it was about his kingdom. And when the people saw it, and then he then they realized why didn't he invite any any of us? No, none of his people, none of any people in his own cabinet. If they weren't servants, they didn't get invited. He did all of that to say, I am king of kings. And the people say, no, you're not. We're going to get rid of you. And they revolted. And he went on television and he apologized. He said, and then Is that why they got rid of him doing the yes, Carter thing? Yes, they got rid of him. Yes. They and got Jimmy Carter helped him. him. They got rid of him for that because he decided that it was it was better for him to build his kingdom. I mean, and you talk about these people like, you know, they're supposed to be Muslims and they talked about how they had all this alcohol there. They don't supposed to be drinking alcohol and they were serving alcohol and all these crazy kind of dishes they were serving, you know, with pork in them and everything. And, and so it's like, but it was he did all of that. Did all of that for his own glory. But that place had been renewed. They had been built up. And it's like, and you lost it because you decided that it was better to build your own kingdom. That sounds like the man in the Bible. I got to tear down my barns. Yes, you lost it all. And I'm going to say to myself, soul, soul train. Soul, I'm going to take your ease and rest. That's what and it sounds like. Is, and this is what we do. We, we do things in that manner. We do things, you know, it's like when God has built us up, then we're going to splurge and we're going to do certain things for our glory and our honor. And we, we're we not rich towards God. We're not rich towards him. Sometimes we're so bankrupt toward God. This is one thing I ask, Brother Charles. I ask a lot of people. I say, I don't know many men right now that if I, if I had a little child and I knew that I was going to die. That I want you to raise my child, to teach my child the Bible. I say that. Because it's like, mm-hmm. it's bad. It's, mm-hmm. it's bad. And, and I, I, need, I need my sons. That I could say that if, if, you know, if by chance God did, did to Abraham to me and Andrina, and we're about 99 and we have a child, he takes me away at 100. I would, you know, I don't want to have to call Gary when you come to <laughs> because if, I, because if I'm 99, Gary going to be 80 and 9. It's like, Gary, yeah, I want you to raise my child. I asked Brother Charles that one day. I did. I, I asked Brother Charles, I said, do you know many ministers that you knew you were going to die and your children were five or six years old to teach your children the Bible? 
Because it's more than just teaching the Bible, because there's a lot of people that have eloquence and they have brilliance and they can tell you the words, they can parse the verb, they can do Hebrew, Aramaic, and Greek. And I heard Dr. Bonson talk about a man that was not only a great linguist, say, but he was wicked. Oh, that's a, that's the skill of academia. But that thing that's in the heart that makes you where you're not tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine and sliding craftiness and cruniness of men whereby they lie and wait to deceive. That's the thing that helps you grow up in him till you reach the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. We don't even teach the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ anymore. Or did we ever? Gary Ann was laughing at me out because I keep, I keep scratching through my shirt where that uh, poison oak is itching. And uh, and and she did it. It looked like a cartoon or a wet dog. And she laughing at me. And I'm thinking to myself, Gary got poison oak. Didn't we do it at the same time? Yes. Yes, but mine is gone, Timothy. But yours showed up first, Garrity. <laughs> <laughs> you don't have to say my name like that. <laughs> I had no clue. I mean, it went days before it showed up. And when, and when my son looked at my neck, what's wrong with your neck? <laughs> like, nothing wrong with my neck. He said, got a rash on it. Yeah, and I looked disease. at my arm. Remember those times I looked at my hands and they were new and I looked at my feet and they were too. And man, I looked at my hand and I see these little bumps. Looked on my neck. And then about two days later, why is my chest red? But I'm going to tell you this much. I'd much rather have a rash of something that caused me discomfort than to get entangled in a sin that I can't get out of. I've been there. I've done that. You can get rid of a rash eventually or you can live with it. I thought about 2 mm -hmm. Corinthians 6, too. You did? And I got one for you. Tell me yours. 2 Corinthians 6, and I'll see Mm -hmm. uh, Together with him? Yeah. That you receive not the grace of God in vain. And and it's like this is the message to the, the people of Judah during the days of Haggai. You re don't receive the grace of God in vain. You're back. You're building. And, but you're leaving off the building, the true building, the, the kingdom. And we think about just, oh, they didn't build a church. No. Because he was saying there's more to it. See, I've delivered you and you're dirty. Why are you dirty? Somebody tell me, please. Why are you dirty? Why am I having to chase you all over again? Did you did I just not deliver you? Is the glory of the deliverance gone? Did you forget again? And so he's going back and he says, You you're receiving it in vain. You're not doing the work. You're not doing the work of the ministry. Because you're still supposed to be going back to your original purpose. You're supposed to be the light of the world. And you over here filthy with yeah. the world. Yes, like a dead man's body. And so he goes on and he talks about not being defiled by the world and, and, and being unequally yoked together with unbelievers. And this is the problem. Because we As we're going to deal with that. Mm. We think that we are strong enough to be in the presence of the ungodly. 
and we think that it's it's fine. I was like, it's it's fine if I'm here. It's fine if I participate in this. It's fine if I do this because we've been taught with, by our televangelist, God of Jesus, and most men who stand up in the pulpit, that it doesn't matter what you do. You're saved anyway. Well, yeah, they were saved anyway too. Mm-hmm. They were still in the land. Yes, they had been saved. Yes. They were still there, yes. but they were getting their tails torn apart by yes. the Lord. And, and they, he said, and I'll do more. Yes, and he damned them. Yes. And so it's like, this is not the, this is not the last time you're going to be out of the land. You think you, you think you deliver it and deliver it or salvation is just that permanent that I won't kick you out again? That's the Western religion. I can graft you in again if you don't remain in unbelief. That's right. So he goes on to say, and what does the temple? You're the temple. You are the temple. And most of us don't see ourselves in that way. It's like, you know, I'm I'm my own. It's my body, my choice, most people say, like the, uh, the abortionists say, my body, my choice. And so we leave God's principles and his commandments and his statutes. And we go do our own thing. And we're so committed to doing our own thing. We go out and, and, and elevate ourselves in the world. And we're not rich towards him. So that's Well, I got just one last for you all. It was so beautiful. It was so beautiful and magnificent. I want you all to hear this and see if you can, if you can feel the juice. The Bible says in verse eight, this is, remember I was talking about, of Second Corinthians chapter seven verse eight. Okay. I want you all to remember. I was talking about people that had lost it, that had been cursed, that had been damned. That God had granted <laughs> repentance after they had messed up. So Paul is talking here about a rascal, and Paul said, "But though I made you sorry with a letter, I do not repent. Though I did repent, for I perceive that the same epistle have made you sorry, though it were but for a season." Now I rejoice, not that you were made sorry, but that you sorrowed to repentance. For you were made sorry after a godly manner that you might receive damage by us in nothing. For godly sorrow worketh repentance to salvation, not to be repented of, but the sorrow of this world worketh death. Here is what I feel. Here is what I believe people see that they don't like about me. But I don't care. For behold, the self-same thing that you sorrowed of the godly sort. What carefulness it wrought in you. What carefulness it wrought in you. That means eagerness. It says, yea, what clearing of yourselves. You got your head messed. It said, what clearing or apologia? That means you defended yourself. Yea, what indignation. In other words, you are upset. Yea, what fear. You get to the place you know what to be afraid of. Yea, what vehement desire. Yea, what zeal. What revenge. Some folks never get to the place that they ever want to revenge for God. The evil that we have gone through, that we want to fight Satan back in his kingdom. Just want to go to heaven. And say, yea, what revenge. And all these things, even the revenge, you have approved yourselves 
to be clear in this matter. Wherefore I wrote unto you, I did it not for his cause that done the wrong, nor for his cause that suffered the wrong, but that I care for you in the sight of God might appear unto you. So, therefore, we are comforted in your comfort. Yea, we are exceedingly more joyed by your joy of Titus because of his spirit will refresh by you all. I don't know what Titus says. I don't know what Titus had done, like, like, like they used to say, done, done. But whatever it was, I know I owe God. He was gracious to me. I'm willing to fight for him. And that's what I do. And this is what they were supposed to be like when they came back. And you're going to find Nehemiah going to be. When we get to Nehemiah, you're going to see a man. They're going to try to make him be scared. He said, should a man such as I run or be afraid? Can you just imagine the government going to come and say, should a man such as I, glory to God, be afraid? Are there any more comments before I close out? Run to real quick. What chapter and verse were you at just then? Second Corinthians chapter 7, verse number 6. 6 through, six through 11. Okay, cool, cool. I didn't even write it down. It is real good. But mm -hmm. it, the, the, the ones that I read were just 8 through 11. I just left off some of it because we we got to be serious. I tell, you, mm -hmm. I tell you this much. If somebody had been raping your family or raping your children and now you're in charge of the government, but they wouldn't let you put them to death, but they would let you do all kind of stuff that was equivalent, I believe you'd go do something about it. Or if somebody had been beating you up, you know, burning you and stuff like that, and now you got the opportunity to exact punishment on them. I ain't talking about going against what God say. When you do it, how much more then? When they do this to our heavenly Father, mm -hmm. when, we, when we look at the what we call the New Testament, we kind of like don't see that this is government. I don't because it's never talked to us that way. But he's establishing government amongst the brethren. He's telling you how you should behave in the household and how you should behave before the world. And what's supposed to happen when you behave in, in, in the manner that God prescribed for you. And so what's supposed to happen, what you would be capable of doing. Because we're supposed to be changing the world. We People always talk about changing the world and, well, we're going to donate some money to this place and do this. But he's, he's saying, especially to the Corinthians, that the change has to take place in you first. And you have to separate yourself from the world. And you have to be determined that you are now are in the government of God and you're doing his will instead of your own. And so he's saying you are the temple. He's giving, he's making them all priests. He's making them a priesthood. He's talking about establishing government. And we're never taught that. We, I've never been taught that in any church. I've never heard it because it's like you really establishing government. Ask the Pope and them. Ask the reform people. Ask the reform people and them. Because I got some of their books, don't I? Yes, but they teach their children these things, that they are the government, that they are the temple, and that they should rule over us. And haven't they done it? Very efficiently. 
and for so their, for their benefit. And so the and they have they have sold the, the iniquity of the Amorites is full. They, by the time Joe Biden get in, because they they'll wait, they they can wait four years. For, they don't care about Trump getting in in twenty twenty. They, they it's really not a big deal because he's going to be gone, and then who's going to come behind him? They, we're going to have it, and they're waiting for it because they're going to get pedophilia passed as just of sexual preference and, and it's going to be protected this is what they want to do because they've been raping children people all around the world they've been doing it Antoine was, every country Antoine was right with that when he said hide your kids hide your hide wife your kids, hide, yeah. he was right they're raping everybody right and they're trying to get it done and that way people don't have to go and to they jail think because they pass an unrighteous decree that nobody will seek justice and judgment from the Most High, that he won't require it. They think because they can prescribe iniquity with a pen that the Most High won't judge them. They think that's going to keep other people from not rescuing their children and other people's children as well and executing judgment on them. They believe that. They think if they write it down. They've been successful in writing things down and doing these unrighteous decrees. And they think they're still going to be able to do it. And they're doing it and trying to get it so badly right now that they're putting themselves in blackface like Al Jolson did, like many of the people um, with those guys, the Three Stooges, two of them did blackface and got famous. And you had so many of what we call Jewish brothers that would do comedy in blackface. Now what they do, they do blackface and go and burn our buildings, our small buildings, they, I mean our small businesses, and go and destroy stuff on our streets, block our streets, call it Antifa, call it Black Lives Matter, and little white rich kids, I hear them talk about it on conservative radio, the little rich white kids do that to bring damnation on us, God damn every one of them and their parents because they're doing it to bring and to bring us down, to hurt us more, to put more restrictions on us, and then that they can go out here and have these children and do what they want to do. That's what they're doing. But the most high, whoo, he just sit up in the heaven with last. He know when that time will come, but will he find when he come on the earth some that he can mark that we mourn and sigh over the wickedness like Ezekiel 9 say. Tired of these bubblegum preachers. And we think, and, and it's, it's sad. It's sad because we we like looking at shootings and things, and we looking at these things that's happening. It's like, oh, oh, they're waging war on us, but the war has already been. Yes. But you liked it when it was rap music. They yes. were warring against you. Yes, because they were telling them what to sing. We won't promote you unless yes. you sing about somebody's penis or somebody's vagina. Somebody on your yes. Whole penis. yes, calling them niggas hoes and all of that. Yes. yes. They were, they, the war was on then. Look and see who owned the publishing companies or the, the distribution. Mm -hmm. Like Dr. Francis Rest, uh, Chris Wilson said, no other group sing such demeaning songs about themselves. Oh, and, no, and nobody would think that. That's not normal. And you make Snoop Dogg a great man. The man that would do porn, talk about women, and all smoking dope. You make him a great man, put him on soap operas. You put him inside a regular television shows, and then you let him come in your church and let him have the number one gospel album. Good, 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 good. 
Roscoe Pico trainer. It's like it's hard. It's hard to laugh and cry at the same time. But the, but you liked it because you participated and you liked the beat. You, the war was on when they put abortion clinics in your black neighborhoods more than anywhere else. Eugenics still in full force. The war was on then. And why wasn't the black preacher saying something about it? Why wasn't the preacher saying something about it? Because you up here having sex with the women and you getting some abortions too. Yeah, you are. I mean, it's like Your money 4,000 murders take place every day of innocent children death penalty and your black like your black preacher saying nothing already been on us this is why we can't have our own grocery stores the war has already been it's not just because some, some person was shot down some brother was shot down in the street and shot in the back and it's not that the war has always been on we've been asleep we've been participating we we have defiled our temple and we said it's good to be yoked together with unbelievers. We don't even believe anymore. That's true. And you know, they may be letting some of those prisoners out so that they, those can be some of those that they shoot. That they can and shoot and get you stirred up, shoot, and then go back and say, well, he was a pedophile. He did so and so and so. Like, oh. And, and, and you know, just the manipulation of each one of us, that, that, that that's traumatic. Whether you think it's real or fake, it's traumatic. Even to watch a movie, and you know it's fake, and you still feel that. You still feel the person being shot, stabbed, or whatever, strangled, or whatever. But the 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 trauma that they're causing us—that's the warfare. They want you to see that, and they want you to be afraid, and they want you not to come out of your home, and they want you to be quiet. Because this is all set up. This is all a part of them. They'll play it over and over again. And CNN will say, oh, how tragic it is. But these same people yes. on CNN and on Fox News will come back and say, well, you know, he had a criminal record. You know, he was already, they was trying to serve a warrant because he was raped somebody. Or he did so and so and so. But they won't tell you that up front. See? They'll get you all emotionally involved and they'll snatch the rug from under you. Where you know he was he he you know, he was they pulled him over one time before and, and he wasn't supposed to have a weapon. This is how they manipulate us. Mm-hmm. And they do it for a reason, because we are nothing but puns. We are nothing but puns in this nation. And they use us to push and pull. I'm just talking about other white, white people. White is the new black. Bro, Charles, you better hear Say that again. White is the new black. If you are a rich trust fund kid and you put black on your face you and you say black lives matter, you are the new black. And the money is wow. given to you and your organization, whether it's from Target, whether it's from Macy's, yeah. or they give you all the money. It doesn't go to the black neighborhood. It doesn't, it doesn't go to build up our community. It goes to them and the DNC, and it goes to the progressives, and they get to do what they want to do with it. They get to push their agenda. White is the new black, just like feminism. At one time, the old fat white women, as Rush Limbaugh said, that they, they weren't pretty enough, and they couldn't make it, and they said, well, he used to say it was for ugly white 
women and he called them feminazis. And now then what happened? Feminism got to be the new black. Yeah. Then, then Mexican, you got, and it's the new black. Ungodly immorality get to be the new black. The rainbow get to be the new ra- yeah. black. Transgender. Nothing about what God created about us is sinful and ungodly. And it's not an ideology. It is something he created in his image from the dust of the ground. And that's why I don't like preachers. Because y'all not teaching these children. They go to college and spend 10 minutes in college and they come back knowing more than you. What I mean, one semester of bubble gum and then they come back thinking that they got a, a concrete block in their pocket. They teach our children to be weak and belligerent. Yes, but you know. It's a new we, black. We were, we've been right. Joe Biden told him, if you, if you, ain't, you ain't black if you don't vote for me. Didn't he say it? Sure did. Mm-hmm. And not only did he not, been trying to cover that all this, move that over, and he, he's saying this, this man is an open pedophile, and you know it. He, he doesn't even care anymore. Because I'm powerful. Just like all these people that did the dossier, the Pfizer report, that did things that ought not to be done with with the FBI and all that, and we just get on TV and we get on CNN. You get done living on TV telling you how to be moral. This is a side show. This is this is. Buffoonery. This is a circus. This is a kabuki theater. This is a circus. Because it's like all of God's law, statutes, and commandments are being put down and trampled underfoot. And so will his people be. Because we standing by, we watching, and we're being manipulated by these things. We're being manipulated by politics that we have absolutely nothing to do with we have nothing we have no dog in either of these fights in either of these camps there's nothing there for us we've been participating and voting for what nothing is gotten better for us you can call it you can say it's because of the democrat you can say well you know it's because the republicans wouldn't let the democrats do with that you can say what you want to say but we've been participating in the system that has done nothing for us because there's another Body politic, and they strip. We won't bring up, and that's the that's the body politic of the Most High. And see what happened is that everything that they've done in both parties is to strip us away from God Most yeah. High in our lives. Yeah. They're not going to give up. They don't stop. We stop. They don't. Good night, everybody, and thank you for joining our discussions. Good night. All right. Good night. Good night. Good night. We love you. Love y'all too. Love you back.